1: I'm your host, Heather Tesco, and I'm a storyteller who makes history accessible because I believe it's a pathway to understanding who we are, our place in the universe, and our connection to our own humanity. This is episode 73. It's another joint episode with Melita Thomas of Tudor Times on Elizabeth of York. Just a quick note that the Renaissance English History Podcast is a proud member of the Agora Podcast Network which you can learn more about at agorapodcastnetwork.com. Remember, you can get more information, resources, and sign up for the mailing list, which gets you extra mini casts and all kinds of stuff at englandcast.com. There's a lot of great stuff going on there, like next week's free mini e-course called Inspiration from Kickass Tutor Women. So go to englandcast.com to check it all out. Also, I'm coming up on 75 episodes. So I'm going to have a party on April the 7th, and it's going to be on Facebook Live. And so go to englandcast.com again to check that out. Um, I'll be taking live questions or your questions that you send me in advance. So it's going to be super fun. And Hannah's going to be making an appearance there too. So we're both excited. So now let me introduce you to Melita. Melita Thomas is a co founder and editor of Tudor Times, a website devoted to Tudor and Stuart history in the period from 1485 to 1625. You can find it at tutortimes.co.uk. Melita, who has always been fascinated by history ever since she saw the 1970s series Elizabeth R. with Glenda Jackson, also contributes articles to BBC History Extra and Britain magazine. So Melita, what is it that makes Elizabeth of York special? And tell us a little bit about who she was.
0: I still don't think that anybody has found that she was an enormously um, proactive or powerful individual politically, but she's certainly an interesting woman. She was right at the heart of the Wars of the Roses Mm -hmm and her influence over her husband and children is definitely there it's just that she wasn't she wasn't kind of noisy about it so the other interesting information about her comes from her uh, privy purse expenses which were cataloged in the 19th century And give all sorts of information, unfortunately only about the last year of her life, but give a great picture of what it was like to be a a late medieval queen, what she spent her money on, what she did with her time, and so forth. Uh, I think she's also been um, perhaps brought to the forefront by a renewed interest in the Wars of the Roses because uh you know she was she was very much caught up in that as the daughter of edward the 4th and elizabeth woodville and the sister of the princes in the tower so so you know that was one of the reasons we wanted to look at her as person of the month she she does bridge that gap between the medieval period and the tudor period and it's interesting to think about how somebody's life you know obviously she was a member of the house of york but she married the lancastrian henry the 7th and you know, many people. She felt she had a better right to the throne than he did, but she never seems to have, you know, um, thought of herself as 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 a queen in her own right. I mean, most women wouldn't have done at the time, but she was she was very much admired in her own time. Very, uh, you know, greatly mourned when she died. And, you know, I I haven't come across a single negative word about her. Actually, she, she's hmm. every account of her is very positive.
1: Hmm. So you mentioned the renewed interest in her and um, and the the interest in the Wars of the Roses. And a certain historical fiction narrative um, author and TV series makes it seem like maybe she had a romance going on with a particular Yorkist king um, before wow. Henry.
0: Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I mean, this is... This isn't a a story that actually began in, in the reign of Richard III himself. So R- Richard III was her uncle. And there was a story that in early 1485, he was thinking of marrying his niece. Now, and unsurprisingly, that gave rise to a good deal of gossip and unpleasant talk because, uh, you know, uncle's marrying nieces was not Considered any nicer then than it is now, and Richard III publicly denied that he'd had any such idea at all. In the late 17th century, no, actually in the early 17th century, an antiquarian called George Buck claimed to have seen a letter written by Elizabeth to the Duke of Norfolk, Richard's friend, insinuating that she was she was in love with her uncle and wanted to marry him. But the letter itself, no one else has ever seen the letter. And the transcript of it was, it would appear doctored by George Buck's grandson, another George Buck who forged a number of letters. Mm. Uh, The Rich III Society has actually transcribed what appears to have been the first Manuscript, and it doesn't, you know, it's it's capable of a number of interpretations. And personally, I wouldn't have said that the first thing that would leap to my mind would be that she wanted to marry her uncle. But you know, that's one interpretation Mm -hmm. that's been made of it. Um, The thing is, you know, perhaps she had a crush on her uncle, but he had claimed that her parents lived in adultery, that Elizabeth herself and her siblings were all illegitimate. He had taken the throne of her brother. And whatever happened to the princes in the tower, they disappeared whilst they were on Richard's watch. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think it was unlikely that she wanted to marry him. But hey, mm-hmm. who knows? I, I I wouldn't have thought most women in that circumstance would suddenly have a crush on <laughs> on him. <laughs> but you know, right. people 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 stay with all sorts of people who are who are not necessarily ideal partners. But I would have thought that. Um, being called illegitimate and having your parents branded adulterers and your brother disappearing you know, might put you off a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it it might just a bit. Yeah, um, yeah but, interesting.
0: Yeah, no, it was certainly not... talked of at the time, but uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, and if
1: she was illegitimate anyway, it's not as if she would have provided Richard with any greater claim to
0: anything if she well, was branded as illegitimate. Well, that's the tricky question because – You know, Richard claimed that his brother's uh, marriage to Elizabeth Woodville was not valid. uh, And there are people who have accepted that claim um, both then and since. Legally, uh, the validity of a marriage was a matter for the church courts and there was never any public airing of the evidence that was supposed to exist and there was never any court uh, church court pronunciation on it so it was it was not more than an act of parliament passed by richard uh so i would have thought it unlikely that elizabeth herself would have thought of her her parents' marriage as in, as invalid mhm
1: yeah um so it it also It seems like there's like you said this Victorian idea about her like there's this this stereotype of her that she was just this quiet um, wife who took care of the children and like she taught her children them like there's the this um, idea that like she taught Henry how to write and she taught her children personally, rather than sending them away and that she was just this mother and this domestic person. Um, what what do you make of all of that? And can you talk a little bit of, about that?
0: I, I think that's probably true in the sense that was a, a, a great deal of family affection seems to have been an important facet of her character. She was she was very close to all of her sisters. Um, she seems to have been attached to her mother um, and and to her children. I think she she comes across as a very affectionate and loving. Woman altogether, and uh, fond of her her cousins and nephews and nieces. You know, just uh, you know, actually a real family person. It, the the idea that she taught her children, I don't know that there's any actual evidence of it. It's been identified as as a possibility because of the similarity between her handwriting and that of Henry the uh, And I think that was the basis. I, I think Dr. Starkey has hypothesised that Elizabeth did actually teach him, and it was certainly not. Not impossible, though, in the next generation, the humanists uh, recommended that mothers should be the the first tutors of their children so it's it's certainly perfectly possible. she wouldn't have taught Arthur, who, as um, Prince of Wales, had his own tutors and his own household from a very early age, um, but she may well have taught taught the younger ones. The accounts show that well in fact both both parents both elizabeth and henry the 7th took a good deal of interest in their children um in their music lessons in their clothes in you know, just the general day to day parts of life and her children didn't live with her uh they um, partly because um the royal household was You know, tended to be centered at Westminster, which wasn't considered healthy for children. So her children were mostly at Eltham or at uh, Greenwich or Sheen. And Elizabeth travelled quite frequently with Henry the Seventh. They they moved about the country a fair bit, and children, you know, it wasn't suitable for young children to be um, dragged all over the country. Uh, But she visited them frequently, and they. You know, came to her, so she was probably closer to them than lots of uh, medieval queens were.
1: And I realize we kind of skipped, like me asking you about Richard and everything like that. We kind of, ju- we just kind of skipped, and I have an assumption here that people will know about who she is, and and I realize that's probably a, ah. a bit um, remiss yeah. of me to skip over that. So, can you tell me just a little bit about who she is, and um, yeah, just kind of her her life story?
0: Yeah, Elizabeth was the oldest child of Edward IV and Elizabeth Woodville. She was born in 1466 in the Palace of Westminster and her parents subsequently had another, I think, possibly a dozen a dozen children of whom uh, quite a few lived till adulthood. Uh, she was, for her first few years, she was her her father's heir, because uh, she only had sisters until 1471. But you know, nobody ever thought of her as a as a potential queen. It was always assumed that that Edward would go on to have sons, and he did. Uh, in her early youth, she was uh, betrothed to the Dauphin of France as part of a treaty of. Uh, Piquigny, I think it was the Treaty of Piquigny between Edward IV and Louis of France, and it was arranged that when she was uh, of marriageable age, which was anywhere after the age of twelve, but probably more normally about fourteen, that she would go to France and and become Queen of France. Uh, and she was known as Madame la Dauphine at court, and everybody assumed that she would one day be Queen of France. In 1482 about 6 months before he died edward iv was absolutely horrified shocked and you know people thought it actually led to to a decline in his health when louis of france uh, broke the marriage off and effectively elizabeth was was publicly jilted and humiliated Not, not very nice for a young woman who was uh, by that time nearly eighteen. So at that time, then there was talk of her marrying uh, Henry, Earl of Richmond, as he he was considered to be the last Lancastrian heir. But whether Edward IV really intended such a marriage to take place, I I think it's fairly unlikely. He he was more likely to be putting the idea forward to get Richmond into his hands to have him. um, what should we say? Out of harm's yes. way. <laughs> uh, so, But it would appear that uh, Richmond's mother, Margaret Beaufort, and Elizabeth's mother, uh, Elizabeth Woodville, after Edward IV's death, did put their heads together and decide that a marriage between Elizabeth and Richmond would be the answer to the whole Lancaster-York conflict. And in fact, that's that is what happened. After the, after Bosworth, uh, Henry and Elizabeth were married in the January of 1486. They went on to have seven children, probably. There's there's talk of an eighth, but there's only only real evidence of seven. She was uh, crowned as queen in 1487 and was a remarkably popular and successful mm. queen.
1: And she, of course died giving birth uh after yes. arthur after prince arthur had died right she wanted to have another yes. child
0: yes it's very sad she her first she, she had her first first childbirth possibly um it was probably a bit premature but it may even be that uh that she and she and henry had um, slept together before they were married i don't it's certainly possible, uh, but Arthur was probably a bit early as well. And then she didn't have another child for about uh, for nearly three years, which has led to people wondering if there was a miscarriage in between. Uh, her second daughter, her second child, was a daughter, Margaret, who became a queen of Scotland. Then there was Henry, born in fourteen ninety one, um, a little girl, Elizabeth, who lived for about three years. Mary, who became queen of France. A little boy Edmund um, who lived about a year born in 1499. It seems that uh, Henry and Elizabeth may have stopped sleeping together after Edmund was born because uh, apparently she'd had a difficult pregnancy and with three sons and um, at that time um, three sons and two daughters that, that they didn't need to have more children. But then Arthur died at the age of 15 and Elizabeth comforted her husband with the Thought that they they could still have more children, uh, and she fell pregnant again. You know, within a few weeks, which is which is why I've assumed that you know they'd stopped sleeping together because she hadn't been pregnant for a while. She had a, f- a reasonably healthy pregnancy, but not. You know, she was well enough to travel and go on a progress, but she went into labour probably a little earlier than she was anticipating. Again, uh, had a daughter, Catherine. Uh, but died when the baby was about ten days old, and Elizabeth died on her her thirty mm-hmm. seventh birthday, mm-hmm. was sadly. Yeah. Henry and her children they were they were absolutely distraught at, at Elizabeth's yeah,
1: death. I can imagine. And there's that really touching story about when they found out that Arthur died. That um, Henry kept it together while she or one of them kept it together for the other one, and then lost it right away. And yeah, like yes. What's,
0: Yes, that was it. Whatever the, I mean, you know, when they married, it wasn't an arranged political marriage. But all of the evidence suggests that um, they became, you know, attached to each other. I mean, people didn't think of love in quite the way we do now. It was your duty to love your spouse, and you know, people made the made as much of their marriages as they could. But they do seem to have been genuinely affectionate. They spent a lot of time together, um, and there's. Yes, and they comforted each other after Arthur's death. Um, What was it like for her? So, um,
1: what was it like for her with the the pretenders, like with particularly Perkin Warbeck, because so many people supported mm -hmm. him, and I know there were political reasons behind that. But um, it must have been very difficult for her, wondering whether um, you know the this was her brother and having loyalty to her husband. Like, can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, I, it's, it's one of those questions you just put in your mind and you think she must have been hoping against hope that it was her brother in one way, but then absolutely terrified at the thought that it might be her brother, because how would she choose between her brother and her son? You know, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's an impossible situation that you, 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 dread being in the, the evidence suggests that Henry, from a fa- fairly early on, was pretty sure it wasn't it wasn't um, Richard of York. And although we don't know for certain that Elizabeth met uh, Warbeck, she probably did. Uh, after he was, after the rebellion finally was was crushed in 1497, Henry, having promised that Warbeck would be treated well if he if he gave himself up. Uh, he was a man of his word and Warbeck was actually brought to court and lived lived in the court so elizabeth must have seen him uh if she recognized him as her brother she never she never said so uh you'd have to think that if if he was her brother henry would probably have kept them apart but yeah so she probably was you know when she first confronted him assuming that she did she must have been disappointed and relieved in equal measure i guess it's really hard to get your head around mm-hmm. how you'd feel about that yeah
1: on one hand you'd want it to be yeah like you said you'd want it to be your brother but on the other hand how how do you choose then
0: yeah, well, in, interestingly, Warbeck's widow, wife, but, but then eventually widow because Warbeck tried to escape from his, his very comfortable uh, gilded cage and, um, you know, eventually was, was executed. But his his wife, Lady Catherine Gordon, lived at the court, was one of Elizabeth's closest hmm. ladies in waiting and friends. So, um yeah, it, it, it's all it's all very yeah. odd when you think about well, court, it. But court. Court so, life then yeah.
1: often seems to be very odd in ways that we.
0: Uh, yes, we it think. does, and the whole everybody is so closely related to everybody else, and that I mean that's one of the things about the the Wars of the Roses and the Tudor and even the later Tudor period. Everybody is somebody's brother or sister or cousin or niece, or uh, the the loyal the tangle of loyalties must have been endlessly yeah. confusing. Yeah.
1: Um I was wondering about her relationship. We talked about this a little bit when we talked about Lady Margaret Beaufort. Um the idea of the stereotype sometimes about the, the- mother-in-law from hell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you talk to me a little bit about what her relationship was like with her
0: mother-in-law again there's sort of conflicting evidence about that there there there's a spanish comment in one of the one of the spanish ambassador's letters saying that uh, you know elizabeth was severely overshadowed by her mother-in-law and that uh, lady margaret was you know dominated her and that the queen not surprisingly didn't didn't much like that um if she if she didn't like lady margaret then she must have lived a miserable life because they were together very, very frequently, most, most of the time. Certainly, you know, sort of the first ten years of Henry's reign, it, when Margaret was often at court. After that, she she took a slightly less prominent role, but she was certainly a very much more um, dominating force than than Elizabeth seems to have been. However, you know, Margaret had been on good terms with Elizabeth's own mother, and. You know, you have, you have to hope they got on well. There's there's no evidence of any um, quarrels or ruptures between them. I mean, I should think that most most women would got a would have got a bit fed up with um, Margaret Beaufort's constant presence. But I'm I'm not sure there was anything ever uh, really um, you know unhappy between them. Um, you know, I mean, it's like any mother-in-law that you get on with pretty well, I suppose. But just sometimes wish wasn't there yeah I mean Margaret Beaufort you know took a took a lot of interest in Elizabeth's children but Elizabeth as, as I said before she was she was definitely a family woman so you know perhaps that that helped her to you know a, a accommodate the, the situation and again in those times people lived much more as part of an extended family rather than the the nuclear family that we would expect today where your mother-in-law comes around you know for Sunday lunch occasionally. Mm -hmm. Sure
1: and you know you talk about her being a family person that was something else I wanted to ask you about just she spent a lot of her early life um, being uprooted with the Wars of the Roses and spending time in sanctuary and Mm -hmm. um, you know kind of Having a lot of uncertainty, I suppose, um, while at the same time being a princess and just kind of having this almost yeah. like bipolar kind of situation going on, it yes. seems like. So,
0: yeah. can we play pop psychology to that? I think. Well, that may well have made her very protective of her family. I mean, when when she was about four, probably one of her earliest memories would have been uh, going into sanctuary in 1471 when the Lancastrians landed. Edward IV was was driven from his throne Mm -hmm. and Elizabeth, her mother, took took Elizabeth and her sisters into sanctuary at at Westminster. And it was there that her brother Edward was born. So although she may not have remembered it clearly being about four, it was, you know, it's likely to have had a, a an impression on her mind. Edward returned within um, within the year, and from that point until his death, uh, matters were fairly safe. Uh, the Lancastrians, having apparently been completely defeated, but then there was the the shock that I mentioned before, when she was no longer going to marry the marry the Dauphin. So her view of her future as Queen of France was whisked away from and her. And why was that cut uh, off? Well, it was it was cut off personally i have a sneaking suspicion that it was louis louis taking his revenge because before before edward the fourth admitted to being married to elizabeth woodville who who he married in secret there had been long negotiations for him to marry uh, louis the sister-in-law Bonner of savoy right. so edward the you know you know the, the, there were these negotiations going on louis the 11th was imagining his sister-in-law going to be queen of england and suddenly the king announced that he was already secretly married mm-hmm. all very embarrassing and humiliating for for Bonner of savoy so i have a sneaking suspicion that louis was perhaps getting his own back mm. but the the most straightforward reason was that he wanted his son the dauphin charles to marry Anne of Brittany. Mm. Anne of Brittany was uh, the the eldest child and daughter of uh, the Duke of Brittany. She had no brothers and was likely to uh, become Duchess of Brittany in her own right. Now the French had been circling around Brittany for some time and wanted to snatch it, and which which they did. So so Charles was was going to be married to Duchess Anne, and that was the ostensible reason for the um, for the jilting. But uh, as I say, I, I should think Louis the Eleventh was was quite pleased to um To have that reason. Huh? Back. Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Alright, so sorry, we were
1: going on about her life and yeah, the the
0: in- insecurity, yeah, yes. Yeah. So so then so so that turned upside. And then her father dying and the whole um business of her her, her Parent's marriage being uh, called into question, her brother um, crown being snatched from his snatched from his head, and him, uh, you know, and the brothers disappearing. Uh, she must have not known what her future was going to be because even after uh, Elizabeth Woodville came to an accommodation with Richard III, and Elizabeth and her sisters left uh, the sanctuary in Westminster Abbey, it was it was unclear what her future was going to be. Uh, she would have heard these stories about. You know her uncle wanting to marry her, and you know as we said before, we don't know what she actually thought about it. Uh, there was also talk of her marrying a Portuguese prince, uh, or Manuel, um, but that that came to nothing. Um, and then at the Battle of Bosworth, you know, waiting to hear what was going to happen. You know, she didn't know who was going to win. She probably didn't know who she wanted to win. Um, and then immediately after Henry VII's victory, although he had. Promised to marry her it was several months before anything anything happened so she was probably somewhat uh, nervous about that mm. so all of this may well have made her um, protective of her youngest younger sisters she had uh four young sisters there was sicily mary who died at the age of about 14 probably um very upsetting for actually no, i think mary was the second one uh died at the age of about 14 which must have been um Devastating for Elizabeth, uh, there's Cicely, Anne, and Bridget. And uh, Bridget became a nun at Dartford. And there's notes in Elizabeth's accounts for for money and presents sent to the to the convent at Dartford. Uh, her two other sisters, Cicely, sorry, three other sisters, Cic- Cicely, Catherine, and Anne, were all in her entourage when she was queen, and she paid she paid their dowries and she maintained them. Mm-hmm. The other uh, interesting thing is uh, well her 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 sort of general interests were very you know similar to everybody else of the period she you know she was uh, interested in music, like all you know, all people of the time. Uh, but she also, I've just discovered, was interested in architecture, as the same same as her her her, her father had been. Well, there, there was a palace at Greenwich called Placentia, but Henry and Elizabeth did some renovations in the late 1490s, and then there were plans for a whole new palace, Palace of Greenwich, which apparently Elizabeth um, created a design for herself, hmm. which was what it was based on. Interesting. So. Um, yeah yeah so she so she took you know an interest in in, in those sorts of things mm-hmm. yes yeah, so other interests she yeah she had uh, she had a number of um the usual books of ours and uh, but she she also uh, had had secular books uh she was the first generation to meet the printing press uh and her parents had both been very supportive of the of the new technology and um Elizabeth as well seems to have, uh, you know, read and and owned books. Well, yeah, sure. Her
1: uncle was one of the first um, patrons of Caxton, wasn't he, Anthony?
0: Uh, and Anthony Woodville, yes, yeah, yes. And the whole Bur- Burgundian culture of the of the late fifteenth century, uh, which influenced her design for Greenwich. In fact, uh, ha- had a lot of um, Burgundian overtones. Did she ever travel outside of England? Once she went to she went to Calais. She and Henry went to Calais in 1500. They went to meet uh, Philip Duke of Burgundy to re-establish trade relations. Relations with Burgundy had generally been good. Burgundy originally was had supported Lancaster, but then uh, Elizabeth's aunt Margaret married the Duke of Burgundy and uh, Charles of Burgundy had supported Edward IV and helped him regain, regain the throne in 1471. And then during the 1490s, her Aunt Margaret was an avid supporter of uh, Lambert, simon and Perkin Warbeck. And it was only in, in, towards the end of the century that uh, Henry then re-established diplomatic relations. So they visited, they went to Calais in, in 1500 and met, met Duke Philip and possibly his wife, uh, Juana, who was later Queen of Castile, Catherine of Aragon's sister. Ah, uh, Interesting.
1: Yeah. And was, would she have been part of those negotiations to marry Catherine Henry? Uh, yes. to Henry? Yes. Well, to Arthur. Yeah, of course but, she would have been because it was. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so mothers, uh, queens, it was, it was an important part of their role to negotiate um, marriages for their children. That, that was sort of a, a recognized element of a queen's, queen's duty. So she was involved in the, in the negotiations around uh, Catherine's marriage and particularly the the more um should we say uh, the more uh, external courtesies you know the exchanging of letters the writing to to Ferdinand and Isabella asking about their health and about Catherine's health and recommending that she learn to speak French and and drink wine and she was also involved in discussions about the marriage of her daughter Margaret to James of Scotland Henry said, whether whether he was using it as an excuse, or whether it was it was genuinely true that Elizabeth and his mother had strongly objected to Margaret, Princess Margaret being married too young. Um, and that he had, you know, he bowed to his, his wife and his mother's decision that, that she shouldn't be married before she was 14. Mm.
1: And that in part, right, isn't that kind of the story of, that Margaret Beaufort put that in there because of her own difficult, in, indeed, and so. yes. She she'd married.
0: She'd had a child too young. Yeah.
1: yeah. What was a Catherine's relationship with? Or sorry, what was Elizabeth's relationship like with Catherine? Dewey? It wouldn't have been that close because they weren't. It,
0: it, well, it didn't last yeah. very long. I mean, a, Catherine arrived in November of um, in November of fifteen hundred and one. Uh, she met Elizabeth for the first time the day before her wedding, so on the thirteenth of November then they lived they were all at richmond palace for about uh, about 6 weeks before arthur and catherine went to ludlow uh, and when catherine was obviously widowed the, the following april elizabeth sent uh, messages and sent a litter uh, to to fetch her daughter-in-law um then there's not a lot of evidence as as to what what relationship they had in the the final year of of Elizabeth's life? Uh, Catherine was actually in a separate household, as you know, suitable for, for the dowager princess. Um, but no no reason to think it wasn't wasn't warm. And uh, Kath, uh, Elizabeth's last child was named Catherine. Now that could have been for for her daughter in law or for her sister Catherine. And where can people find out more about her? Well, as you've mentioned, as we mentioned beginning, the beginning, there, there, there are lots and lots, lots of books about her nowadays. Um, there's um, Alison Weir's Elizabeth of York, Amy Licence, Elizabeth of York. She's part of um, Sarah Gristwood's book Blood Sisters, which is an interesting look at the interrelationships between the, the Queens of the Wars of the Roses uh, and quite a bit of f- fiction about her. Though mm-hmm. so that's... yeah Yeah. Yeah. interesting okay great thank you
1: again to melita thomas for taking the time to tell us about elizabeth of york for more information go to tudortimes.co.uk or you can also see the resources available on the englandcast site at englandcast.com remember next week i've got the episode on edward and mary's relationships with france followed by elizabeths not elizabeth of york queen elizabeth (laughs) And then after that, remember, I'm having the 75th episode Facebook Live Coffee Clatch on April the 7th to celebrate 75 episodes. So check out englandcast.com for all the info on that as well. Thanks so much for listening. I will speak with you
0: soon. Blow northern wind, scent who may be sweating Blow northern wind, blow, blow, blow I caught a bird in
1: Bridge
0: that soul is same on sight. Men's full maiden of night, fair and freight of wonder. In all this world, a one of blood and of bond. Never yet in us been known, not so many in London. Blue northern wind, send for me sweating. Blue northern.